Delivering clear, concise, and entertaining content on demand, this is SharperTalkMedia.com. Join the community. Welcome to Higher Up, the podcast designed to help you take your business to a higher level. Get the latest news and updates on everything human resources. Unlock the occupational DNA so you can identify, select, develop, and retain top talent. And now your host, John Beck. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Higher Up, the podcast devoted to taking your organization to a higher level. We're so excited about our guest today and show panelist, Craig Yingling. Craig is a professional certified coach with a background in healthcare. He ran his first hospital at age 29 and for the last 22 years, was hospital CEO or a divisional supervising hospital chief executive. As a coach, he works with executives, business owners, and entrepreneurs to improve their business outcome through development of their leadership skills. Craig is certified by the International Coaching Federation. In fact, he is the only professional certified coach in Baton Rouge. Craig also travels regionally teaching companies how to become the employer of choice through highly engaged workforces. Among his favorite leadership topics are change management, emotional intelligence, and strategies to develop essential leaders. He has taught or coached with such companies as BASF, Entergy, Emeticis, John Deere, Louisiana State University, Blue Cross Blue Shield, the Franciscan Missionary System, Stellar, and many, many other fine organizations. Craig is on the faculty at LSU as an instructor in their MBA program. Craig Yingling, welcome to the show. Hey, John. I'm excited to be here again. I've been watching all the podcast volumes grow and your listenership volume grow. It's very exciting. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, it is. It is. And you know, I've decided what your parting gift will be for the show. I like to give everyone a parting gift. Oh, that's exciting. What yeah. would that be? I'm going to buy you a new GPS. <laughs> 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 a little story, a little story about Craig. Craig is a brilliant, brilliant individual. I spent a lot of time with him and his clients can attest to that. He was on a call today talking with a major organization out of New York, and I think he drove by our building three times. Or is it just two? Just twice. Just twice. Okay, just twice. But in Craig's defense, I will tell you that we are the best kept secret around the area. We keep that low profile sign going on. So, you know, you have to know exactly where we are. But anyway, uh, we'll get you a nice uh, GPS for the uh, parting gift. I will use it when I come here for sure. (laughs) And look, we'll have the studio plugged in as a a home button, right? Exactly. Make (laughs) it really easy for me, please. So today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, something I really, really believe in, and that is employee engagement. Craig, my friends, happens to be an expert in the field, works with a large number of clients and helping helping those organizations to build an engaged workforce. 
So with no further ado, let's just jump right into this topic, shall we? Sounds good. All right. When we talk about employee engagement, what makes Craig Yingley an expert in employee engagement area? Tell us a little bit about that. You know, Jenna was a journey back when I was in the uh, hospital administration. I was working for a large company in Maryland called Adventist Healthcare, ran their specialty hospital division. And in 2004, they brought in the Gallup organization as part of an overall strategy to drive down turnover to improve some of the business outcomes. So I was one of a handful of executives that they asked to roll it out across this company of about 6,500 employees. Uh, with a number of hospitals and facilities within the state. So it was just a great learning journey for me. And it was something that I guess resonated with me. And the structure of employee engagement really allowed me to fine tune some of the business strategies mm-hmm. that I had been using over the year to reduce turnover, right. to improve patient outcomes and that sort of thing. So it was just a really good, good opportunity for me. And that's something that you've just kind of fit into your organizational practice now. Correct. Yeah, I uh, don't do a lot of training on them these days, but I incorporate the concepts of employee engagement into the coaching work that I do with the executives because they just fit together so well. Yeah. Without an engaged workforce, what do you have? And that leads to why is it important for organizations today? When you think about employee engagement, what's the critical component? Why does an organization need their employee workforce engaged? Well, let me answer that question kind of two ways, kind of on a micro basis and a macro basis, uh, the macro basis. If you look at the trends that we're experiencing here in the United States with the baby boomers uh, retiring, 10 million I hear on an annual basis, it won't be long until that, if you will, that kind of bubble goes through that snake, that rat through the snake, and all of a sudden, we could be in some real challenges having a high-trained, experienced workforce to be able to staff our plants, provide our services. And so now it's we're going from an oversupply of labor to potentially within the next 7 to 12 years, an undersupply of labor. Oh, yeah. So you've heard of the expression war for talent. Well, let me tell you, it's going to go to more of a global war for talent to attract retain, develop, and just engage the people that's going to make a difference. It's really not It's really not a business strategy anymore. It's almost like a business imperative that that's, companies have to drive a highly engaged workforce. To survive, you're going to have to. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to get more and more interesting these days. And, you know, so one of the ways to be able to look at what's engagement versus satisfaction. Tell us about that. In fact, what are the differences between between engagement and satisfaction? Because I kind of want to intertwine the two, and I'm sure that they, while there may be some intertwining, there's probably some unique differences there. Absolutely. When you when you think about satisfaction, it's really more of a rational decision making process for that employee, where they're saying, you know, they're answering questions like and thinking, "Does my boss treat me justly? Um, is my pay and benefits fair for the work that I do?" It's a very much a left brain, rational process. Engagement is much more of an emotional connection of the employee to the overall success of the company. As a matter of fact, what I tell the executives I work with, it's when the individual's values and interests are tightly aligned with a company. They see their success as being just as important as the company's success, and they see the company's success as being important to their success as well, too. As I like to say, you got them by the heart, not by the head. Right. That's good stuff, by the heart. There's levels of engagement, obviously, when we talk about employees. At what level? Absolutely. You know, from, from the disengaged 
all the way through the spectrum of engagement to highly engaged. So the difference between the satisfaction group, those individuals who are satisfied with their job, to those who are highly engaged, for example, you would define those individuals as mission critical, they care deeply about the success of the organization, and they buy in with the belief factor. Absolutely. Hard overhead, right? Like you said. Yeah, And the interesting thing is, is uh, just because an employee is highly satisfied does not make them highly engaged. It's an entirely different level of mental commitment and the performance that comes with that. That may be the biggest nugget of the show. I'm sure Craig's going to drop some more, but you hear so many times, and I get calls for it because obviously I'm in the survey and assessment business, and I get calls all the time. Organizations are asking for, you can give me a satisfaction survey, that type of thing. The difference between the head over heart, I think, is huge. That's good stuff. From there, Craig, we talk about engagement strategies. At what point does a company decide, hey, I need to adopt this type of strategy? Great question, John. I think, you know, one of the things I think of is really every company ought to be looking at it. Clearly, those companies that are growing or having difficulty attracting and retaining talent, regardless of how engaged their workforce is, they need to look at that as a strategy. Secondary group that I would look at is is when you're really having some problems in terms of turnover or Mm -hmm. safety in the workplace is another big issue. Highly engaged workforce have much higher safety rates than a highly satisfied workforce. So when some of the metrics that businesses look at are negative, then they really need to look at a different strategy associated with keeping those people and engaging those people. A follow-up question, how often would an organization conduct an engagement survey? Generally speaking, about once a year. I would not do it any more than twice, Mm -hmm. excuse me, every other year. But once a year is sufficient, but you really have to do a good baseline survey to understand where your employees are in terms of their evaluation of the engagement in the workforce and then developing strategies and plans from there. When we talk about deploying that type of survey to get, if you will, that pulse of the organization, do you recommend, does the survey change or do you keep the same survey maybe slightly modified or what's the recommendation? Do you continue to do the same survey year after year so you can go back and see, have you improved in those specific areas or do you recommend changing that survey? What's the rule of thumb in something like that to to be able to get accurate reporting, to have a yardstick, if you will? I I think I would defer to your uh, Dr. Hamilton for his expertise in that question. (laughs) Generally speaking, what I recommend to the client companies I work with is to keep it as much as similar as you can from year to year because the interrelator reliability is very important and the same questions, therefore, offer that right and you want to be able to have a measurement of comparison if you create a different survey every year how are you measuring versus the information you had previous exactly certainly you can add to it and build it and make it better but you need to continue to keep the same central theme and message to gather that data that you can do a comparative analysis with exactly how can you measure success if you're not doing yeah if you're if you're moving the gauge so to speak yeah uh, then you better be thinking about being consistent year over year over year so you can really see the action steps you're taking and what a difference it makes with your workforce. Because it is about return on investment. Correct. And employee engagement, reducing turnover, increasing performance and production at the end of the day. What are the drivers of engagement? What are the things that make someone engage? What are those drivers that you feel are important in engagement? Well, I'd cite the research associated with Towers Watson, and they did a big study back in 2008 and updated it just a couple of years ago. And it's 
many of the same things that are involved from seven years ago to what's really uh, the research shows today. But it's changed a little bit because the demographics of our workforce are beginning to change. You know, for example, now we're beginning to see the influence of the millennials and the Gen Ys in leadership roles mm -hmm. and in, as a more dominant percentage of our workforce. So one of the most important things is, is they're looking for competent and capable leadership. The interesting thing is that's not necessarily measured in business results. It's measured more in does the leader walk their talk? Right. You know, are they truly living the values of the organization and being good role models for all the employees, or is there a disconnect between what they say and what they do? One of the second most important drivers in employee engagement in the research is, is work-life balance. Mm -hmm. You know, John, I'm the baby boomer, you know, and it's like I couldn't remember when I didn't work 60 hours a week. I probably... You know, when I worked 40 hours a week is when I took two or three days off that week. That's right. That's right. There's a different expectation today. Mm -hmm. I'm working mm -hmm. with a, a young client, and uh, she's working for a large company, Fortune 500 company, and she's got a boss that is more my age, sends out those emails at 10 o'clock at night and 2 o'clock in the morning, and expects a return on those emails when those are sent out and on weekends. Right. And, you know, this young lady is uh, 38, two young children, wants to be able to have some work-life balance. Yeah. So it's staffing sufficiently in the workplace, but it's also recognizing work-life balance as well, too. Understanding how, third one, understanding how employees, their behavior aligns to the organizational goals. So that's really about developing people. Right. I think Melinda Stallings spent some time on that one in, yes. a, in a previous show. That's right. That is critical mm -hmm. because you demonstrate that you really care about the employee. And guess what? With good development, you get more out of the employee as well, too. What's the role, from your perspective and the folks that you're working with, the role that a leader plays in the engagement of their employees? Is it the organization, or can it be tied directly to their direct supervisors and managers that can affect engagement in the organization? And let me distinguish between the two, because yeah. you know your leadership within the organization f plays a special role Interestingly enough, driving a highly engaged workforce has more to do with managers and supervisors as key influencers in workplace engagement than leadership. Wow. But leadership's role is obviously to, if you will, kind of create and make sure people understand the benefits associated with a highly engaged workforce. It needs to be expressed in terms that are not, you know, stockholder wealth and return on investment. It needs to be, we will be a safer workplace to work in every day. And then you can go home to your families mm -hmm. every evening as well, too. They need to understand that turnover will reduce and we'll have better teams on a day-to-day -day basis. So you need to paint the picture of the benefits of a highly engaged workforce. You're thinking about in terms of engagement. Does the employee really think about, or the workforce think consciously about what's in it for me? If we can align the what's in it for me to the workforce for the organization, if those goals and objectives can kind of coincide? Usually it's not as much of a conscious thought as it is more of a conscious feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, it really is more of an emotional connection of that employee. Yes, there's obviously some rational thought process that's associated with it. And, you know, I've, I've been in situations where people have stayed where they are or left where they are based upon the belief that where they're going to or where they are is really an organization that cares about that employee mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. really wants them to be successful. Wow. 
And that's when you can get folks engaged. An organization can demonstrate that. It definitely makes a difference. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. What are some of the costs can an organization look at when you're trying to create a highly engaged workforce? What, you know, from surveys to, let's just talk about what, what are some of the cost factors involved in, some, in a process like this? Usually the front end cost is going to be associated with that survey. And depending mm-hmm. upon the vendor that you choose, it can be fairly expensive because these surveys can be uh, voluminous in terms of the questions that they uh, ask employees, the way you collect the data, et cetera. That's really the big upfront dollar cost associated with employee engagement. Mm-hmm. The big thing to think about is, is, is not, this is not about gold watches and wooden clocks. This right. is more about a disciplined, long-term, intentional effort to change engagement within the workplace, to drive engagement within the workplace. Where I've seen companies get into trouble, uh, an IT company that I was working with, they uh, had done a survey, they formed a team, And then two years later, they decided to take their attention away from it. And when they did the survey again, they found that the numbers actually dropped Mm -hmm. because they didn't bring the effort and the discipline necessary. This is a long term. They asked the question, but they didn't want the answer. And it's a marathon. (laughs) It is not a sprint. Right. You can't just call human resources and say, create a highly engaged workforce for me. Yeah, fix it. You got it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of those key roles of leadership is to make sure the resources are there. But it it has more to do with a disciplined behavioral strategy with leaders and managers than it does putting out a lot of money for Mm -hmm. recognition and reward. We talked about leadership and you mentioned earlier the, you know, critical component leadership has on obviously uh, engagement, but you also talked about managers and supervisors. And I want to kind of get down on that level. You briefly touched on the importance that they play in engagement. And that's because the employee has just direct communication with them a lot of the time. You I got mean, it. And, and, and the influences that they have on the daily life of that individual is you ongoing. It. It's, you know, leadership can have the best intentions, but the reality of it is, is the day-to-day communication, the interaction is with that manager or supervisor. So you may have a leader with great intentions, great charisma. Uh, mm-hmm. Another one of your, your yeah. topics. I'm <laughs> yeah. excited to hear that. Yeah, really, really looking forward to get that out. Yeah. Inspiring. You know, mm-hmm. they've explained the benefits. They connected to the mission, and then you've got that manager supervisor who is leading with more command, who doesn't well, care, who you know believes work life balance is not my problem; it's yours. And the whole dynamics change because the leader's intentions don't translate down to the manager and supervisor. A message there is do organizations need to really pay attention to what's going on in those frontline management areas and not worry about or look at maybe making the investment to make sure those people are carrying the mission? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, You cannot just pay attention to the top of the pyramid you really have to look at the managers and supervisors who are interacting with the employees on a day-to-day basis. You need to invest in them. You just may invest in them differently than mm-hmm. you would a vice president or C-level leader, but you need to invest in them. They need to understand, as I like to say, they need to understand the principles of employee engagement. They need to understand how to deliver it in a way that's meaningful for them, which is different from the highest roles of leadership. My experience with employee engagement, one of the things uh, in the reporting that I've seen is 
it'll give you percentages of the workforce and some of the reporting where it says, you know, this percentage of disengaged, this percentage of, well, first you have highly disengaged, disengaged, engaged, highly engaged, and so on down the, down the chain. Mm-hmm. Are there folks that are at a disengagement level that you may never win over? Correct. There's a, even oh. in world-class workforces, there's somewhere between 8 and 10% of employees that are going to be actively disengaged. And when we talk about actively disengaged, you know, I'm going to give you my definition of actively disengaged and you tell me if I'm on track or correct me. You know, it's that cooler talk uh, around the cooler when things aren't well and they're the ones, you know, jibber-jabbering around how bad the organization is or, you know, what could we have done better or, you know, just constantly looking at that glass half empty and not supportive where you get a highly engaged individual and highly engaged was, you know, the bumper stickers on their vehicle. They have the company shirt. No, they, they're, they're the flag waving. I believe we're in the, in the mission in which we're doing. Is that somewhat of a correct definition? I mean, am I on track with that thought? let Let me fine tune that thinking just a little bit though. That actively disengaged employee is what I would call the bad apple or the contaminant. Mm -hmm. You know, just because someone has a thought, we call them deviants in coaching, they're oppositional. Just because they have an opinion opposite from other people does not necessarily make them that bad apple. Or disengaged. You got it. As a matter of fact, some of your highest engaged employees are the ones that are asking some of those hard questions that we really need to consider. But that Actively disengaged employee is truly the contaminant, truly one of those people that you need to manage up or manage out. And frankly, it's a challenge for many companies. To manage up. You got it. Or manage out for that matter. I've read, and I'm going to take a guess at this number, and you might have it exactly, but somewhere between 7 and 10 highly engaged employees to offset one highly disengaged employee. Is that Am I in the ballpark there? You're not far from that. As a matter of fact, when you look at the average workforce, about one in three employees is actively engaged, and about 20% of the employees are actively disengaged. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In a highly engaged workforce, about two-thirds of the employees are actively engaged, and only about 8 to 10% are disengaged. So what happens is the positivity of those highly engaged employees literally kind of stomps out, so to speak, the negativity of the disengaged. When you are, and I know from your experience, not only have you helped organizations deploy uh, quality engagement surveys, but when that information comes back, what type of information are you seeing coming out? In other words, what type of the, what does the reporting look like? And are you able to break that up by, you always talk about, you ask me this all the time, hey, John, I want to drill down on this information deep. I mean, I want to go from a macro to a micro level, almost down to the question, how it's responding, all, you know, all the different details. So are we breaking that down by satisfaction with managers? I mean, what type of data does a Craig Yingling like to look at in terms of, trying to look at formulating a strategy for an organization, just in a broad scope. It doesn't have to be exact detail, but kind of outline that type of data that you'd like to see. Yeah, good question. You know, kind of the way to look at it is kind of building the survey from the bottom up. So you want information on the manager and supervisor and what his or her employees think about that individual. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you kind of go up the pyramid, so to speak, is is those managers and supervisors report to, let's just say hypothetically, a senior manager. Mm -hmm. And then you can see 
the responsibilities, so to speak, of each individual and what their employees think of them. And then by the time you get up to the top, it's really difficult sometimes to choose some of the action steps that are necessary. You're dealing with themes as opposed to specifics. But begin, remember, most of the responsibility for engagement, most of the actions for engagement are down at that local manager and supervisory level. That's where you can find out, is this a person who is unapproachable? Mm -hmm. It doesn't communicate well. There's an action plan item. Is this in a manager or supervisor that really doesn't care about the well-being of their employee? There's an action item for them. Right. Uh, Do they develop me? As an employee, there's another action item. So when you get into the specifics, that micro level, then you can really come up with some good action plans necessary to drive engagement. That's good information. And I also want to ask a question regarding engagement participation. What I mean by that is, so you have a company of 100 employees. What's a percentage of, I mean, they don't even participate. Is that a number out there? Do you, have you seen, let's say, with 100 employees that you have a 10%, 15% non-response rate where they just don't even participate? And that would be a good goal, actually. That would be I a mean, good goal. Honestly, this is one of those things you have to manage. Mm-hmm. Working with another company that uh, has done a number of surveys. I think the employees are almost kind of like survey-weary at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, they can be over-surveyed. You got it. You can ask too much as far as that goes. Right. And so their response rates are really low. And so when you do an engagement survey like this, to get the most out of it, you need to publicize it. I'll, I'll give you an example with Adventist Healthcare. We used mm-hmm. to have the hospitals compete against each other. We used to have departments within the hospitals compete against wow. each other. there you go. We used to give them different ways to take the survey. We used to, you know, if you will, throw pizza at it. We used to make sure (laughs) everybody knew when it was come. It was announced in advance. Bosses, you know, did you take the survey? We didn't know who did and who didn't, but we knew if a nursing unit had a very low response rate. We knew we had to go to that nurse manager to get the numbers up because you need to get up above that 70th percentile. A bottom line number that you feel comfortable with is trying to see that 70% response rate. You got it. And shoot for 90. And shoot for 90. This might be a, a question out of left field, but do you associate a low response rate to disengagement? <laughs> I mean, is that, is, are we in the same ballpark? Uh, I think that is a very accurate assumption, sir. Okay. You know, if you are publicizing and really getting the message out and your response rate is still coming in low, sometimes before you even open up the survey results, you have some answers. You got it. You know, John, like, you know, when I use your 360s, I call a good 360 one that there's stuff to learn, stuff to celebrate, and lots of good comments. I worry when I don't see comments on a 360. You get a low response rate on these engagement surveys. That is just Here's the good news. You got some information to start working on. Yeah, right right off the bat. As we drill down, wrapping up, but the final question is, what are some of the action plans necessary to achieve a high-engaged high workforce? Uh, our, my experience with Adventist Healthcare and with some of the recommendations that I make mm-hmm. today. So you've drilled down, and now you know where a particular manager or supervisor is. Sometimes it's easy enough just to have the data and to come up with an action plan associated with the specifics of that manager or supervisor. Sometimes it means 
adding more tools to that person's toolkit as well, too. Mm-hmm. Looking at 360s, looking at raising self-awareness with them, with the different profiles that are offered out there, the assessments that are there. Right. So you really, sometimes you can go in and it's really a pretty simple solution. Sometimes you really got to dive in to be able to look for the solution through understanding the strengths and limitations associated with that manager and supervisor, but it's got to be individualized. So engagement is all about people. Is what it comes down to. Yeah. It comes down to the supervisors, to the management, to the organization. Engagement is driven by your management and leadership of the organization. When we talk about satisfaction, we're talking more about facilities. We're talking more about conditions, those types of things. Yeah. Am I paid fairly? Does my yeah. boss treat me fairly? That's satisfaction. Yeah, but when rational. we talk about engagement, we're really just getting right down to driven by management and supervisors within the organization and how are they engaging me to be buy, buy into the mission to be a high producing long-term loyal employee who believes in the mission of the organization. Yeah, it's it's a truly an emotional connection of the employee to the company. And you can't make that without people. Exactly. And you know the interesting thing is is the business outcomes are dramatically different. People, you know, how expensive is it? Well, let me tell you when you're able to achieve it, profitability is better, safety is better, turnover is better. It's there's a dramatic difference between the highly satisfied workforce and the highly engaged wow. workforce. Well, that's that's good stuff. Uh, as we get ready to close, and we're right on schedule. Actually, I tell you what, we are. You know, we try to keep these podcasts around twenty, about thirty minutes is our ideal number, and we are at thirty minutes twenty seconds of good content here. Craig, in closing, tell us a little bit about what's coming up on your plate. Are you doing any talks or anything coming on? I seem to be on the, uh, and I know you talked with Karen Bro, the right. uh, Society for Human Resources uh, speaking circuit these days. Well, that's good. That's now, good. I, it's always exciting, and it's talking about a concept that I love, and that is is how to develop your employees strategically. And so that's really looking at the uh, about 70% of an employee's development should be through on-the-job activities, not sending them <clears> to conferences. It's really about being more thoughtful about how we're going to do it inside the company. How to develop your employees strategically. Correct. That, folks, will be our next topic with our special guest and panelist, Craig Yingling. Craig, we want to thank you for taking the time out today and sharing your vast knowledge about employee engagement. As always, it's great to have you. You're a joy to have in the studio, as well as to work with partner with and also to consider you a good friend john thank you very much and i will look forward to putting that gps to work for me absolutely (laughs) well there you have it folks uh craig yingling thank you for tuning in to higher up your podcast for everything human resources and taking your business to a higher level updates, and more on how to break the code to unlocking occupational DNA. Join the community at hrhigherup.com. And take your business to a higher level. This has been an exclusive production of SharperTalkMedia.com. Join the community.